A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome along to the show that's brought to you by Levi Solicitors. 10% discount on your legal fees. LeviSolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hiya. With me, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White's here as well. Daniel Chapman. Hello. You can get all our podcasts ad-free and early access to the match ball with a daily email and full digital sub as part of TSB Plus, our new subscription package. You can get all the details on that and sign up at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Not much fun doing this, is it, when we're shit? It's not even like we're... So bad it's in a way entertaining like it was Crawley. This was just this was just standard bad, wasn't it? This was Leeds United endless seasons in the championship bad. Nothing interesting to say about it really. We just weren't very good. Do we blame Brighton for that? I mean we've been good all season. They turn up and were awful, so what does that tell you? I mean we've not been good all season. It did feel a bit on, on reflection, we have been here before, haven't we? Like the West Ham home game felt a bit like this one where we had high hopes that we should be beating teams like West Ham stroke Brighton, and then we turned up and didn't produce anything at all. But West Ham are probably better than we give them credit for, unfortunately. We, we laughed at David Moyes and said, ha they're going to be going down this season, but they're actually quite good in the grand scheme of things, relative to where they were anyway. Brighton are not good, and this is just one of those shitty, run-of-the-mill Premier League defeats that we just got to suck up, which is why we should just move on and not talk about it. So again this weekend then? Got kick about in the park? Hmm. I'm quite glad to not have one, to be honest. The game watched yesterday. That was all right. Leeds won that. Who was that then? The under-23s. Play the kids. Put well, Mark, Mark Jackson, play the kids. We'll get onto all that. Well, let's have a look at some of the issues that did crop up over the weekend and revisit them. I'm thinking along the lines of what Pascal strike. Let's start there. Can he do the job in midfield? Probably not well enough at the moment. Ben White can. Mm. Only he did it for Brighton, which was a bit annoying. Yeah, but he wasn't even that good for us when he was in midfield, was he? Which is really, really annoying. And the fact that he managed to do it on that pitch and all our players looked like they were just sinking in quicksand. He's got older though, hasn't he? And he had a year, well, an entire year playing for us, which made him better. I think Ben White now is 23. And must have well over 100 appearances. Yeah, and I was just thinking when, because um, old Stroika is still 21, isn't he? So when he, uh, when Ben White was Pascal's age, he was still playing for Newport, which kind of, you know, puts a bit of um, Stroik's troubles into perspective he could be playing in uh, in league one and beating leeds united instead of uh, playing in the premier league and beating leeds united so striker still got time but i don't think he was helped by what was happening in front of him at all wasn't good was it midfield is becoming a bit of an issue in this division or in some games anyway i mean like certain teams who don't even try 
mean, and I'm aware that we're about to play Newcastle again, but when we take the example of when we played them at Ellen Road, we had the run of midfield because Calvin Phillips had loads of space and whatnot, and he wasn't playing against Brighton. Don't know if you noticed that. It um, was quite obvious. So we, we do struggle a lot when we, when he's missing. And Rodrigo was the other bit as well because his element of it was not working at all. He didn't come back to help the midfield but was obviously struggling. Um, and Luke Ayling was pointing that out to him at one point, which he was right to do. We had the direct quotes. It was supplied in uh, one of the newspapers. What the fuck are you there for? Fuck me, was um, Luke Ayling's little shout at was Rodrigo. That, was that exasperation or was that an invitation or what What was the... Maybe it was. What the fuck are you over there for when you should be over here fucking me? <laughs> an, an unexpected twist on this. Like a distraction the, during the game. On the Sky Sports Saturday afternoon coverage, but you know. Yes, the uh, commentators saying, we do apologise if you heard any <laughs> uh, forthright seduction on your microphone. We brought this issue up... Um, on the match ball about Rodrigo, what do we do with him? Sell him. Have you had enough of him already? Half a season, that's it, you're done. He's not even got a chance to recover properly from COVID yet and bed in and settle down and all that. It is hard to know where he needs to fit in at the moment because I don't think in the current structure it necessarily works. I mean, we signed him as a striker, primarily, you would think. I think we signed. We all expected we were signing him as a better version of Bamford. Maybe Bamford being too good has ruined what he was meant to be doing. If... Rodrigo wasn't missing chances that Bamford missed like last season. The stuff that frustrated us about Bamford was missing chances that he should have taken. But we saw that chance early doors against Brighton. And again, if he'd taken that chance, was that was it the Alioski one that was driven across mm-hmm. or was it the one? That yeah, it was Alioski on the yeah. left-hand side. If he'd taken that, then it puts a different complexion on the whole game, doesn't it? Because Brighton have to come forward a little bit more. They can't sit quite as deep. You know, well, we know games turn on goals. But he's missing quite a lot of chances as well. He seems like a very expensive misser of chances. Should we get a cheaper misser of chances? Possibly an argument. No, I'm, I don't want to get rid of Rodrigo. That, that's not at all what I'm, I'm advocating. But No, nor am I really. He is a bit frustrating. Like you saw when you saw him at, at Crawley, for example, not quite making an impression about you know with anything really. But then again, nobody did. It takes players time to settle into a league, into a team and on the one hand. But then I think we're also entitled to expect him to be better than that when he's... 29 million quid and in the peak of his career and plays for Spain and has spent many years in the league playing for a good side. You, like you expect someone like that to be able to come in. With Pascal Strike, you can, there are many reasons you can excuse his performance. He was cheap, he's young, he's out of position, he's hardly played any games. Like there are countless things you can say in his favour, whereas Rodrigo just needs to be better. <laughs> the one thing you would say about Saturday, about him and Bamford and also Click sort of completely disappearing, is that Brighton did turn up with a team absolutely packed full of defenders. They had three at the back, Dan Byrne, Lewis Duncan, Adam Webster, and Duncan Webster are both excellent centre-backs in the Premier League. Ben White, who we know is an excellent centre-back, is in midfield. Their right sort of wing-back was Joel Veltman, who is a very good centre-back. Pascal Gross, next to Ben White, is sort of a defensive midfielder. Solly March is a bit more forward-looking, but they had defenders everywhere. I wouldn't say Gross is a defensive midfielder, would you? Well, he was playing there. They were very busy around the areas of the pitch where one of the things Bielsa pointed out was that we weren't winning the ball back from them in their half of the field, which is what I think Luke Ayling's main um, argument with Rodrigo was about. And the numbers they had, the size of them and the ability of them just meant that those three got a little bit lonely. It was like chasing shadows, trying to get the ball back for leads. And once they were bypassed, because with them being 
so close together and so available all the time. You can pass Ben White, Pascal Gross, one of them is just running up the field and Rodrigo Bamford and Click uh, caught the wrong side of them. And then there is only Pascal Stroik then between between them and our our defence, which is exactly how the, the goal came about and sort of why the our wingers then faded out of it as, as well. And I think because we couldn't get through those kind of, it wasn't a, a case of just like two banks of four and then them playing very deep and soaking up pressure. It was just about them being, them having a lot of defenders who they used to attack. But when they weren't That's attacking, cheating, Moscow. That's cheating. How can they do that and be allowed to get away with it? Don't know. I mean, take it up with the Premier League or Graham Potter. Uh, Bielsa, we didn't get round to his comments, did we? What did he have to say about this? And do we agree with him? He said they were better at things. And that was a shame. That's paraphrasing. <laughs> but that's that was more or less the gist of it, I think. He said they were... He, he did also say that the result could still have been different. As much as we didn't play well in attack or in defence, we could still have got something from the game. Yeah, if Rodrigo had scored that one, if um, Bamford hadn't air-kicked, although I think Rafinha might have been called offside, but at least it was going to be AR, and then Jackie Harrison had his shot that went close as well. So it's not like we had absolutely nothing in the game, and there was the late rally when Tyler Roberts came on and started driving us forward. But I think his overall assessment when Bielsa said, uh, we didn't attack well and we didn't defend well either, and we also didn't play well. <laughs> that doesn't really leave much. Nailed it, Marcelo. I mean, I will say this, and it's a theme we touched on on the match ball. It's kind of frustrating, isn't it? Because we know these results are going to come around in the Premier League. And I think at the root of it, we just know that we just need better players or more of them that can turn games. And we just kind of, until we have that development in our squad, there's not a lot we can do otherwise, other than just hope we stay up and we continue to develop and move forward. That's the thing. You hope that next season we can bring on a better version of Calvin Phillips when he's injured and when we want to turn a game. No offence to people like Perveda, but... He's not a substitute that any top side would entertain at the moment. They would want someone who is they've paid like 15 million quid for to come on off the bench and who has got 80 appearances in France or something to, to come on. Having the inexperience we have, people like Pablo Hernandez, inexperienced. But you know what I mean? They're like imperfect players in many ways because they're not, they're not what you would... We've got people at the end of the career and people at the start of their career as our substitutes at the moment and they're not optimal, are they? It will take time. And, and, and money, sweet, sweet money. And money. But we, um, it, I was looking at our win percentages and comparing them because I think it is difficult to adjust to the fact that we're not in the championship anymore. So we're not beating as many teams just because that's natural. Our win percentage in the championship over the last two seasons was upwards of 60%. And if we had that in the Premier League, we would be in the top four. This season, it's 39%. And I was actually, I had a look to see where that would have got us last season and that's Wolves in seventh had a win percentage of uh, 39%. Obviously the rest of it then depends on how many draws you get compared to wins but I was quite surprised in a pleasant way at that. We don't do drawing though do we? Well we don't but it's a healthy sign. That well, we've said of, before I think though, wins, wins keep you up. Wins keep us up and they also get you into the top 10 and the top 7. I think it's um it's a different, obviously it's a different division this year because it's a different year time will do that but I don't know if we're really as bad as um, as some of the reaction would, would suggest not just among Leeds fans I think there has been the opportunity has been taken in some of the press to, to use this as the opportunity to give Leeds a general kicking because we did look so unlike ourselves it's the time for everybody to go aha they're shit after all I do wonder if because a lot of people don't know our team and our squad fully they don't realise just how many problems we have at the moment in terms of selection 
because Liverpool fans have been going on and the press have been going on all year about Virgil van Dijk being injured. No one gives a shit that Lorente has been injured for the entire time we've owned him and that Robin Cock has been injured for most of that time and Cooper missed the start of the season and Ailing's the right back playing at centre back and Alioski's not really wasn't bought as a left back and De Stuart Dallas wasn't bought as a full back and it's all Pascal Stroik's a centre back but no one knows Pascal Stroik is a centre back it seems so no one goes well they are really struggling there to to fill in everyone just goes well he's the backup for Calvin Phillips and he should be able to do that job as well and it's unrealistic to expect that you know we're not even at the um, the halfway point of the season I'm just looking at last year's promoted sides you know like the ones who came up when we bollocks against Derby Norwich got 21 points we've already passed that Villa stayed up by cheating at VAR uh, or were assisted by VAR. That's probably the right phrase. Villa assistant referee. Yes, correct. That stands for. Uh, 35 points. So we're two thirds of the way there and we're not even halfway through the season. And then Sheffield United were obviously the the one that stood out here because they finished on 54. And all credit to them, but you can see what's happened to them this season. They've been completely and utterly found out. And uh, I like to think that we're taking a slightly different tack to what they're taking. We're we're trying to build a a squad, um, whereas they've thrown a bit of money this year in a sort of panicky way at the likes of What's his face from Liverpool? Rian Brewster at 25 million quid. Um, he's not looking like great value at the minute. It does put us in a slightly odd position that we've had such a positive start to the season and do look comfortably as if we're going to avoid relegation because it immediately throws everybody's minds forward into, well, why isn't this team getting better then? How can we be so comfortably insulated against going down and yet we can still lose to Brighton? It's because we are still technically the team that is trying to finish 17th. That's all we want. 17th keeps us up, doesn't it? In 2019, yeah. 18. Yeah, 17th would do. Um, <laughs> we are still that team. We are not yet the team that we is are. going yeah. for the U- Europa League. We have just put ourselves into that position, but it doesn't mean that it is impossible for us to lose to Brighton or impossible for us to lose to Tottenham. Um, and Crawley, I mean, that wasn't even a, a first team anyway. It was just a, a bad day all round. I don't think you can necessarily use that as an indication of form. I mean, you know, Pat Bamford didn't play, so you can't really draw any conclusions about whether we're scoring enough goals or not. Um, At least Liverpool have not scored any goals with Mo Salah playing every game. But it does, it kind of creates that impatience of just like, right, well then this team has to get better and it has to get it better now, so why aren't we signing Rodrigo de Paul in January? And it doesn't really work like that. I think there's a there's almost a way of looking at Leeds at the moment where they're going to lose a game like this, and as an entity, it's just going to look back at you with a, a face that's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Sars. Sorry for cutting in on you before. I was just going to say we are getting better. That's the point. You get better by losing games like this. You know, you win some games and look great. You lose some games and don't look so great in those. And this is the process of learning and development. But like you said there, Moscow, it's wanting the instant results, isn't it? Straight away. We want things to be perfect now because Leeds United should be in the top four, never mind the Premier League. And it's that patience with players like Pascal Stroik and Tyler Roberts because, yeah, we need a better replacement for Calvin Phillips, but I don't, I dread to think how much that would cost because ideally you'd want to be signing a player better than Calvin Phillips if you want to get everything better. I don't know how you necessarily go about signing a player who's not quite as good as Calvin Phillips and telling him you're going to be playing his backup for him, but you'll never get picked. So Pascal Stroik is a good person to have around in in that sense, but he'll only get better by playing badly in games like this until the end of the season. And then it might be at the end of the season we think, oh yeah, we do need a, a better player than Pascal Stroik. But the players we've got now, Tyler Roberts included, Pascal Stroik, Ian Pervader, whoever they are, are all good enough to keep Leeds United in the Premier League. And that's all we need them to do. 
And so kind of worrying about whether they, they're good enough to be better is not really the, the point. It's, it's almost like the whole thing just goes on pause for the next five months. We just do enough to stay up and then can kind of review Pascal's strike by the time May comes around. Who would have thought Melier would have come in in March last year and is now the best goalkeeper in all of Europe? And maybe Pascal Stroik has a sudden, you know, the it clicks and he has a great development for the rest of the year. Maybe Bamford gets injured and Tyler Roberts scores even more goals than he was going to do. It all kind of is up between now and the end of the season, but it's not going to be the case that at any point those are going to be sold. And you know, Tyler Roberts is the other example. How do you sign a player? to replace him because you'd really be asking somebody to play second fiddle to Bamford and who is going to come and, and do that yeah. and how much are they going to cost? Whereas um, you may as well have Tyler Roberts doing it because he will be absolutely fine. It's just adjusting to that reality of knowing that, you know what, we only need what, what 10, 11 wins, something like that to comfortably keep us up. I'm just still looking at um, last year's table. Now we don't draw a lot of games, which is one thing we need to keep an eye on. So maybe we need a couple more wins just to be absolutely certain, but even still something like 12 wins, so five more in another half a season should be bloody doable, shouldn't it? And I can see sense to it all as well, the way we've done the transfer business. Like, for example, we could have not signed Lorente because we already had Cooper, we'd signed Cock already. But then it looks like they're looking further ahead than just this season. A lot of teams go, well, we just need to get some players in to stay up for this season. And then they stay up that season. And then the next year, they've got some 33, 33-year-olds they need to get rid of who are all not really getting any better. And then they have to try and get rid of them and get, we just need to stay up again. And then you're trying to move people in and out all the time. The strategy for us has very clearly been, we'll sign some players who can grow with the club for a few years and hopefully stay in the team and be added to as we improve. And it's, it does make, it does make sense, but it does mean in games like this, where you're short of a few key players, there are some quite obvious holes in there. If things work out well, Cock and Melier could play for us for the next 10 years. And that's why they're, they could turn out to be in, incredible value if that happens. Five million for Melier and the the thirteen for Cork. Um and then it's looking at somebody to replace Click. That's why I feel like I mention him every week. But Quisons was of that age; he's like twenty one, twenty two. Of he could spend a couple of years gradually replacing Matches Click, just as Robin Cock can spend his time sort of gradually replacing Liam Cooper. Who's there's those players who are sort of edging 30 and there will have to be bigger changes to come purely because of the ages of Cooper and Click and Dallas and Ailing. they're not going to play at this level forever whereas somebody like Bamford I suppose has got five good more years I'm using 32 as a bit of a, a cut off but looking ahead that way does mean spending money upgrading players who are good enough is maybe not the most sensible strategy somebody like Click has the understudy of Chacleton, and that means that we can get to summer and have another look at who's available to replace Click. Or Shackleton can do it. I'd like to see him play because poor old Click, he looks like he's um, he's had enough. As always, we like to delve into what the opposition have been saying about us in the section called Propaganda. What do we have this week? I mean, the first guy I found is from the Starting Eleven YouTube channel. He's a Brighton fan, though. Doesn't say much of interest but he did I was really struck by how much he sounds like Peter Crouch both in terms of the, the things he says and the way he says it Right I haven't heard this so uh, I'm going to play the clip now so don't let me down Michael How good were we today? Bielsa absolutely destroyed by a Grand Potter Masterclass Solid 1-0 victory and 
we were comfortable. Leeds didn't really threaten us until five minutes to go. Some amazing performances in there. Ben White gets his old club. He loves it, doesn't he? That cheeky smile. It's amazing. No, fair point. You make a fair point. You just sound a lot like him. It's amazing. Is he alone? I think there's a bit of noise at one point in the background. I think his mum might be making his tea or something. I'm not quite sure. But he is alone. Yes. Well, that's, that's just what strikes me as strange. Like those long pauses was almost, is he trying to, is it like an ASMR channel where he's like trying to have a, a conversation with you? It's a Graham Potter masterclass, isn't it? And you're like, yes, it is. That's right. I thought so. Good. I always um, had Peter Crouch pegged as a southerner, but he was born in Macclesfield. Was he? Yeah, just looking at it now. Well, if, if you're to believe Wikipedia, and we know that's always rock solid. Well, he he played for Spurs, didn't he, as a youth player? So he must have spent a lot of time. Yeah, you got Spurs, QPR, Portsmouth, um, Southampton's in there. Portsmouth again, Spurs. Yeah, so just follow Harry Redknapp for a bit. He's never he's never Peter been uh, he's never been further north than about Birmingham slash Stoke. So yeah, fair Liverpool. point. Was there for a bit, wasn't oh, it? Oh yeah, I didn't see that on the list. I've forgotten about them. I've... The greatest club in the world. How oh, can you forget? So such a special club. Oh, it's funny. You know the guy that we um we kind of poke a bit of fun at for saying that he was on Five Live uh, from the Anfield Rap talking up Sir Alex Ferguson ahead of the uh, the game at the weekend, which was hilarious. What was he saying? Oh, it's not even worth going into. They were just like they were doing a head to head. It was Robbie Savage. Too, can you, oh yeah. Can you just? Oh yeah yeah. Yeah thanks. And Chris Sutton, who has been his usual controversial self. And they were doing a head-to-head. They had a Liverpool fan on. Alex Ferguson never won nothing. That's my Chris Sutton impression. Uh, and it was a Liverpool fan and a Man United Sober fan. as a judge. Just contrary Chris Sutton, isn't he? Just yeah, yeah. Contrary. Just says the opposite of whatever the general um, consensus. Yeah, so they were going head-to-head on certain topics. It was like uh, Shankly or Ferguson, for right. example. And, and both fans had to answer. And that was about the, the extent of it. Why was it that and not... Roy Evans versus David Moyes. There's a debate. Get that one going. Presumably Chris Sutton said Roy Evans was better than the pair of them. Such a special club. Such a special club. Anyway, moving back to uh, to what we were on about. Yeah, Together BHA. This is a podcast. Baha. Baha. Together Bar. Uh, they don't like us, it turns out. They, they come into this clip talking about Karen Carney and about Leeds fans in general. And it turns out we're big rivals of theirs now. Yeah, with that, I don't think the initial actual tweet by Leeds was it was misjudged but it wasn't terrible but the abuse that followed from Leeds fans was yeah unpleasant. yeah I agree and which I is think, I suppose unsurprising after mm, after watching them in the summer of uh, with Ben White yeah, they are a particularly um passionate group of fans shall we say yeah I think that's a good word of putting it um, I can think. I think I can think of a lot of other ones, uh, but I would I would probably have to mark this uh, podcast as explicit if I if I told you what I felt. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure I would agree. Yeah, I think that they're probably second on my list behind Palace now of teams that I just intensely dislike, all due to Ben White. It's that dumb. I'm glad we really got under their skin over Ben White. What did we even do? The free Ben White thing, which was very evidently a joke. No, we no, I mean, no, thought he was in a Brighton jail. There were there were lots of our fans who were just saying Brighton are a shit club. There's no way he's going to stay with you. I mean, there was. I mean, from much as we kind of we laughed at it from a distance, there was a lot of that. And our fans can be, shall we say, passionate, as it was referred to there in the clip. It's all right. You can make fun of a football club, particularly Brighton. Yeah, um, I mean they are. We, shit. We've made fun previously about them having that daft rivalry with Palace that no one's even quite sure what it's about. Well, and now we're second. No. I mean, where where are Brighton in terms of our rivalries? 
they wouldn't exist if we hadn't bought Mark Beanie off them. <laughs> they would have gone out of business, so they, they owe us one. Regards to Ben White, let's just be honest about this. You know, Let's not be intellectually dishonest and say, if he doesn't end up at Liverpool, which has been a, a rumour that's been bubbling under for a while because they've been watching him, when they go down this summer, as they will go down... I think we, they might stay up, you know. No, nah, they won't. They'll go down. Mm, Sheffield United, Newcastle are looking like they're making a real solid play for that spot. Michael, shut up. Okay, when they go down. When they go down, if he doesn't go to Liverpool, we will take him as we activate his relegation release clause for whatever amount of money is in there. We don't care. He would be good. I mean, we knew he was good, but now we've seen him playing in midfield for Brighton in the Premier League. He is Calvin Phillips' backup good. And with the um, the fondness Bielsa has for players being able to play in multiple positions, he would tick a lot of boxes and, yeah, he would be... And he, he would be perfect. He, he will be. I trust you on that. I mean, even surely finishing 17th or something, if Brighton do somehow stay up by the skin of the teeth, there's got to be like some kind of get me out of here clause for him, or we just pay whatever he costs. We'll, we'll outbid Liverpool. We'll start another hashtag campaign and it will so press the Brighton, the, uh, the Butter podcast that they'll just be, we can't stand the tweets anymore. Just have him. And take when, him and when we and do stop tweeting and when we do take him we will be really magnanimous about it <laughs> second to Palace they're now on the hate list just can't handle the passion if you get to number one on the list they might swear at you don't make us put an explicit tag on this fucking podcast oh god I've said it oh Brighton oh the pitch Ugh. right we'll get onto the pitch in a second actually Phil Hayes writing about it this week on The Athletic. He's also doing a thing on a, the Brighton Post. It's a post-mortem. It has to be described as now, doesn't it, when uh, when you lose a game in the Premier League? Is he interviewing the grass? He's not, but he's spoken to the Vieiras. About our pitch? Possibly. I don't know if they were involved in laying it or whether they just played on it or whether they have opinions on it. Either Phil, way. Phil Hayes on the grass. That's what you're saying. That is, is exactly the words that I... Yes, <laughs> that's correct. Uh, the Vieiras, yes, so he's done a bit. Pitch, Brighton, Vieiras, amongst other things. You can read all that stuff on The Athletic. Uh, everything Phil's written up to this point and loads of other football sport from around the world. And The Athletic is £1 a month if you go to theathletic.com forward slash the square ball, theathletic.com forward slash the square ball. We spoke on the match ball about the state of the pitch at Ellen Road. Not great. Uh, Angus Kinnear did it in his programme notes as well. They know, don't they? I mean, he mentioned it to us when he came in and spoke to us. Uh, that the pitch is it's overdue because uh, the technology that is draining it is 25 years old now. It has been relayed a few times in the meantime, but um, you look at the, some of the surfaces these days, like the hybrid surfaces and whatever, and they're just well clever. Tottenham's has got a gridiron pitch underneath it, hasn't it? They wheel it out or something, don't they? They've got it on the whole thing on runners or shutters. Yeah, or it either goes on top or underneath. I mean, think of what we could do. They have separate, um, separate NFL changing rooms, don't they, there at, at Spurs? Which is wild. I think I want some of those. It's because they need to have about 100 people in, don't they, the NFL ones, because they've got enormous squads and yeah. technical teams and stuff. So, Can we have, when we get our cheese room, I've been talking about the cheese room for a while now, I'd like us to have some NFL changing rooms. I don't want us to ever have NFL there at Ellen Road, just have the changing rooms. Well, we used to have um, a team played at, um, what's it, at the old Greyhound Stadium over the road. I'm trying to remember what they were called. They might have been called the Leeds Cougars. Something like that, but the 1980s, it was definitely a, um, a lead. Before Cougar had taken on its other meaning. What's its other meaning? <laughs> An older lady who's looking for a younger man. Well, 
the, uh, I the... think a Cougar for you would probably be in a 70s Moscow, probably. You're going to go, you're gonna have to probably go quite a bit older. The Leeds Bobcats appear to be playing at the moment, but they're not the ones I'm thinking of. Somebody will know. I can't imagine we've ever had... What is a Bobcat? And I can't imagine we've ever had one in Leeds. So why... Cat called Bob. Anyway, they're doing the pitch at Ellen Road. Needs doing, needs doing, doesn't it? Yeah. They, they're meant to do it in summer, but it takes so long. There was not enough gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does make me think, can we just play our games elsewhere for a bit? John Charles Stadium up the road. Well, I mean, Thorpe Arch is in better, Nick. And if there's no crowd there, what does it matter? Well, they don't have VAR and all that bollocks. They all the high-definition cameras. That's the uh, problem. Even better. I miss iFollow. I think there was something interesting in um, in the language that Kinnear used. They've obviously looked around, you know, the, the Spurs Stadium and seen it as the the, the pinnacle, the forefront of modern stadia because it's the newest one in the Premier League, isn't it? We left North London having reinforced our ambition to transform our home to be able to stand shoulder to shoulder with the best stadia in Europe. Would not surprise me at all. And I was thinking this after we spoke to him that I think Angus has uh, has got a real interest in that because he was, you know, he, he oversaw the move to the new Arsenal stadium, what's it called? Emirates. And also West Ham as well. You think they've both moved stadiums. A great success, that one. Yep. Uh, but in terms of the redevelopment, we obviously don't have to move from Ellen Road. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't look to do the other parts of the ground after they did the West and maybe the Cop. I mean, it all needs doing, doesn't it, really? Even the East Ham, which is the newest bit, it's still, it's still kind of shit in a number of ways. Like the leg room, in the, particularly in the lower tier, is awful. Like when you go to the Emirates or somewhere, you've got absolutely tons of room, comfy seats, all that sort of stuff. Stuff which, in truth, I don't honestly give a shit about. Yeah, but you've, you've said before that you don't want comfort. You want it to be as spartan as possible, even to the point Correct. where you're putting asbestos back in the roof and all that sort of shit. Correct. I want um, some dangerous terracing installed. <laughs> people pissing down your legs. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Old school. Yeah. I mean, truth, though, it isn't stuff that most people really care about too much as long as you can get in for an acceptable price and get a pint easy enough and you can see the game in a from a seat which allows you to see all of the pitch without a big pillar in front of you that's probably enough for most people but the stuff that Spurs will make money off is the fact they can have NFL games there and really good corporate hospitality and all that sort of stuff and I'm sure the stadium is used for other things throughout the week as well Leeds Cougars is right Uh, Welcome back, Moscow. Leedscougars.co.uk has uh, is a good retrospective. It's got some of the chants from the, the 80s. We got the style, we got the class, we got the power to kick your ass. No one ever sang that. Hey, Cougars, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow our minds. Hey, Cougars, clap, clap, clap. What did they play? American football. Oh, right, okay. In my uh, previous life as working in TV advertising, one of the advertisers I had to deal with was called Cougarlife.com, which was aimed at the older ladies looking for younger men, and we did register on it to have a little look at what was on offer. It was um, Barnsley Housewives. It was not as the advert showed, which was a load of um, Botoxed American women. I'll tell you what, that's got to be the worst pornographic magazine in your life. Barnsley <laughs> Housewives. <laughs> if as a kid you saw that tatted up in the bushes, you'd walk straight past it. If you it. look through the pages, you can collect a full set of teeth. <laughs> one of the... <laughs> uh, yeah. would, you, would you be against or for having a fully redeveloped Ellen Road on the footprint that it's at now? So the song that got the crowd going the most. <laughs> Christ. We're the cool cats, we come from Leeds. The Cougars are our team and we know their needs. We shout and roar like all cats do. Come on, Cougars, we're rooting for you. So now you know just who we are. We're here to make our team star. Come on, you cool cats, get it on. Let them know we're number one. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Oh, it's cool. <laughs> Have they folded? That's dreadful yeah, I mean, and no all, one ever sang it. It's yeah, all 1980s gl- stuff, but it's great. No, it's not. I'm glad they folded. No, come on. It's <laughs> They have reunions and stuff and the, the photos make it look like they had a really good time. I have looked at this website before when um, 
researching old uh, sporting leads and stuff. And it's he's been googling cougars. Hasn't it's he? a great <laughs> resource. It sounds like the most twee nonsense I've ever heard. Anyway, answer the question: Would you be up for a fully redeveloped Holland Road? Because where we said, oh, we don't want to move stadiums, we don't want to go to Ridsdale's thing by the sewage works at Skelton. But if they fully redeveloped Holland Road on the site that it is now, would you be fine with that? Mm, I know what you mean. A bit yeah. at a time. Because it's been done over the years, hasn't it? Make I mean. it look exactly the same, but bigger. <laughs> Do a scale model of it. What about you, Moscow? It'll happen eventually. I mean, one day we'll look around and it'll all be completely different. Probably the East Stand will be the, the last to go, won't it? It sounded from um, old Angus like they're moving towards doing the West Stand and the North quite soon. Like, I mean, not imminently, not as soon as the pitch, but rather than doing one then the other, that they're both going to come. Um, as soon as they can get away with it. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see the difference. Obviously, the south stand, that might last even longer than the east because it's so difficult to, to deal with the road being dead close behind it. But who knows? I mean, it is a feature of Ellen Road that we kind of consider it to be the same stadium it's always been, but actually, over its lifetime, every bit of it has changed. It's yeah. just... It's like Trigger's Broom, isn't it? It no, is. Only Fools and Horses. It's just that never, it's never all changed at once and we kind of get used to... There's always been at least one bit of it that's been there for like 50 years. So you go, oh, okay, it's still an old stadium. But it's, then it's now mainly not that old. I mean, what is the oldest bit of the ground? The West End. It's the brick wall where the um, the cop gates where matches click painted the, the champions thing. John Howe, whose book, A to Z of Elland Road, is being republished in February with updated stuff and will be definitely worth a purchase. Um, even if you've already got it, get him again. We'll tell you it's in there that that's the oldest surviving bet. I think it goes back to the 1920s, that brick wall. If we do redevelop the West Stand and then the Cop, can we keep that brick wall? Hopefully. I mean, the thing that um, John again highlighted and other people on Twitter, that the the steps up to the old Fullerton Park training pitches. Oh, they've gone, haven't they? They've gone to make way for a sky compound, which is the, you know, the last the, thing you want. Uh, is be. it a retaining wall they've built, like with metal sheeting or whatever, yeah? Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit of history quietly gone, although I have sometimes looked at the photos and it's like, they can't be the same steps. Surely it's not the same, like, 1950s steps. They must have put some new flagstones down at some point, but, you know, the principle's the same. I spent a good amount of my childhood on that hillside, be it looking towards the West Stand for the players arriving or just, you know, peeking over the fence, watching the players training on Fullerton Park back in the day or waiting for autographs and that kind of thing or say walking through sometimes up and down towards the uh, the stadium. So, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, how little intangible things like that, it's just a, it's just a bit of hard landscaping, some of it, the and, steps and the hill. And, and for a whole generation, those steps just went onto a bit of scruffy car park. They didn't go onto a training pitch where their idols stood. It was just that thing that needs to be tarmacked properly. But you could still have there the story as you walk down the steps you can say this is the steps where John Sheridan David Batty and Gary McAllister used to go up and down to training and so that you know that folk memory does continue but when the steps aren't there it removes it a little bit you have to go well there used to be some steps here and what happened then it is just alright granddad <laughs> just fuck <laughs> off <laughs> and now there's just a space where Gary Neville gets to park brilliant Leeds Cougars yeah whatever Greyhound <laughs> Stadium never heard of it Next generation will be playing in our super duper expanded new cheese room stadium with NFL changing rooms that never get used. Um, those young lads played against Stoke. A lot of people watching this, weren't there, for the one nil victory? Yeah, I was watching it online. I just noticed at the bottom because it shows you how many live viewers there are. Like constantly between about five and a half to six and a half thousand people watching this, which for one o'clock on a Monday afternoon, get jobs. Quite impressive, though, isn't it? That people are willing to neglect their jobs. To, all those to watch. Dick, all those dickheads on Universal Credit deserve that twenty pound a week cut. Don't they? That's what you're saying. 
not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that people want to watch Leeds Reserves, is what I'm saying. Because there were there's been games at Ellen Road with about 6,500 people in in the past, and now people are willing to watch some mainly children running around a field. Yeah, in fact, when we're doing the Match Ball 30, look out for that on the podcast feed. We're around now. Aren't there? There's any data systems tie against Derby, which had about 7,000 people at uh, Ellen Road for that one in uh, in January 1991. So we, we've come a long way. And the people watching this could have very easily left at any point. The people at Ellen Road probably got there and at least half of them thought, ah, for fuck's sake, why am I here again? Certain amount of uh, hostage chained to a radiator vibe for that, <laughs> isn't there? Yeah, there's always those League Cup games where you just think, oh, why? That young lad, uh, Diego Lorente, anyway. He scored a header, so yes. um, he's he's looking promising one for the future. Would you would you start thinking about maybe putting him in the first team? Has he got the experience for it? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, the, I mean, we started with a very strong team. We had Calvin in the in there as well as as well as Lorente and Tyler Roberts, who look really good again. It's weird watching the other twenty threes because we've maybe in recent weeks concluded that it's not a fair step up to go from the under twenty threes to the first team. And watching this game, you would have thought Tyler Roberts was our best player in the first half because he just seemed incredibly lively was picking it up running at people and then we see him in the first team and generally speaking we've not been that impressed with him but looked very good in this and they all looked pretty good the first half we were very comfortable we should have gone in more than one goal up second half with the changes we they had chances but we did probably just about enough to hang on there's an improvement in level coming as well if this keeps up because we're eight points clear of Wolves at the top of PL2 and don't we get promoted to PL1 we get to play scum yeah, and City and Liverpool and all the sort of proper teams that have got good youth players rather than, I mean, Stoke absolutely hammered us earlier in the season, didn't they? So it's kind of good to get the revenge in, but that will um, maybe be useful. You know, promotion for the under-23s can't be neglected, like the benefit it would bring to some of those young players to be playing against the uh, the cream of the of their peers rather than the Stoke dregs like fucking... Did Jack Clark play for Stoke or did they... Uh, no, they spared Could he not get into this? Beneath us, isn't it? All this Premier League 2 nonsense. Christ. It does make you wonder, though, if we are just trying to get out of this as quickly as possible to get into that top tier. Because we do seem to take it quite seriously than the 23s in the way we... I mean, apparently, I think it's the way Bielsa operates is that he likes people to have game time. But Well, Phil made this point, didn't actually, when we were talking about it. He was saying there's nobody else really in the Premier League who uses the 23s in the same way that Bielsa does. No, but we want to get out of it to get... It do, we do get that sense sometimes to think that the club want to get to the top quite quickly in various ways and get into the, the under-23s playing at a good level is, is a good way of doing that. I mean, we played Derby, was it last year or the year before, and they beat us like 7-0? Yeah. Because they're, and they're, in the, they're a top division side in this, so it does show there is quite a gulf there. But we've, gone, we've now taken a leap from going from the old division where Ryan Edmondson was scoring goals to signing Greenwood to then trying to go up yet again. So we'll, we'll see where it ends. It's a good it's a good point you make actually about getting up towards the top because if you look at who we recruited this time in terms of Greenwood and you know Joffy and all the rest of it, if we are in Premier League One playing against all the other Premier League One sides, it's going to be that much more straightforward to be able to attract players from other academies. And that's what it's all about. Stealing players from lesser academies and bringing them to us and being Premier League bastards. And also when Jenkins and Casey step into the first team. They then have been playing at a higher under-23s level, so they find that an easier step up as well. Or you could do what Chelsea do and never play any of them and have like a decade where you just loan out 50 players a season. Just talking about COVID and, you know, Melier was missing and we were, we were wondering whether the rumours were true. He didn't say outright that he had COVID, but he as good as did by saying he was recovering well from whatever he was recovering from and his absence about two weeks or thereabouts. Yeah, he had COVID. <laughs> I don't know why the club don't just say it. I know they've got seem to have a weird policy of not saying who has and hasn't got it, but it seems clear that Roberts probably had it as well. 
but he seems fine anyway. He, he, he seems like he's going to be back. So that's yeah. the main thing. And Ke- we didn't even mention Kiko. Didn't make any mistakes, did he? Yes, well, he did. He tried to throw the ball in his own net for fun. Unsu- unsuccessful. <laughs> he couldn't even do a mistake right. I mean, he was, he was irrelevant, wasn't he? I think that if he can just quietly get through games without needing to be mentioned and then fuck off so Melier can play, that would be fine. But um, <laughs> yeah... But uh, Bielsa said Tyler Roberts was all, had been ill and he said Melier wasn't available because he was ill. So I think ill seems to be code for COVID. And I was thinking about this because last time Michael said that there's no sort of stigma attached to getting the coronavirus because everybody's getting it. And that's true of the general population. But I was thinking about it later of how much pressure there has been on footballers like the whole thing over Christmas where that Kyle Walker party where Jaden Sancho was flying across Europe, which was all just a complete lie, but had people saying, you know, he needs why this is a disgrace. That's the second time now. Get him out of the get him out of the game and the attention on players because they've been hugging too much and apparently that's the thing that the the Crawley team were getting attention and now do actually have a coronavirus outbreak, which good party eh? serves them right. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. As long as they all survive and everybody comes out yep. healthily. Serves you fucking right. But there is that level when um, footballers do get the coronavirus that there is, it all starts like, well, what have they done? What, who have they given it to? Where did they get that from? They've done something, haven't they? And so I, I, I can't really complain too much about the club trying to keep a, a lid on that as far as they, they can. With the Melier thing, there was also the addition of the Casilla factor where if we'd known days in advance that uh, Melier was going to be out, it would have been a full week of, oh God, it's going to be Casilla and, you know, we would have done it ourselves. Whereas waiting until the team sheet is published and then Melier's uh, Instagram post was obviously sanctioned. It's like, you can talk about it once the team is out. It compresses all that. So you just get an hour of it before the game when it's very fast moving anyway. And then once the game is over, you're either celebrating the win or pissed off about the defeat. And kind of the fact that Melier has coronavirus and can see how to take over become like the amount of time that it can be dwelt on gets quite restricted. Yeah, and, yeah. And I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. It does create a, a strange fog around the whole thing where you do wonder, you know, what's going on and why can't we know? But then I can see... It manages the narrative, doesn't it? That's it what does, you get. I can yeah. see what they're trying to achieve by it. It's, it's different to a, um, you know... I mean, you get that, that about training injuries sometimes where it's like, well, are we getting the full story? It's like, look, here is an x-ray of his shattered fucking leg. Well, I still don't think we're getting the full story. Deep fake. It's a deep fake. Yeah, that does tend to happen a lot. So particularly just with the way um, COVID has been spoken about with football of late, it, it is probably needs a little bit of uh, careful management. There has been an odd focus on the whole footballers hugging thing because, I mean, in the grand scheme of the numbers that are being spread across the country. I don't think footballers hugging is causing much of an issue, to be honest. They're about the most tested profession in the world and they're also incredibly healthy. So even if they do get it, probably be fine. But if for some reason it seems to be a news item, almost as if a distraction needs to be created for the yeah. fact that everything else has gone to shit. Well, it, was yeah. the same, it was the same around that, that political argument about um, footballers not doing enough uh, wasn't it in the yeah. early in the first wave of and COVID. then Marcus Rashford starts doing fucking loads not that but he's doing the wrong thing <laughs> and so it then has to be well they need to stop kissing and cuddling in that case and uh, the cynic in me thinks that those things are, are not necessarily not linked and um, 
yeah, if, um, there's some wisdom in in Leeds just going we'll just dodge all that if, if we can if they want them to uh, to not kiss and cuddle they should just get them all to marry each other that'll put pay to it won't it <laughs> I mean Luke Ayling <laughs> did seem to be What's taking that, it uh, <laughs> seems to have worked for me <laughs> Luke Ayling did seem to be taking it a little bit far with Rodrigo at the weekend, as we discussed earlier. But um, I mean, if it's that much of a fucking risk that footballers can't high five, then they shouldn't be playing. That's um, the thing, they? isn't it? If it's if it's reached that stage, but they do, but they don't want to cancel football. They just want to occasionally have a go at football. Yes, could you just play and then occasionally we'll just slag you all off for absolutely no fucking reason? Yeah, he's somebody we can slag off with good reason. Robbie Gotts, absolutely disgusting. That boy, scum, bastard, isn't he? And the, well, the club as well for for daring to deal with these fucking sick pots, Salford <laughs> scum. Which is this the third scum team? Because they've obviously got the FC United as well. I don't know. I, FC I actually United. Think, I think where do we rank Salford and FC United? Who's the more scummy of the two? They don't like Salford. each other. They don't like each other, do they? Well, yeah, FC United is you know it's a splinter group who they wanted some um, proper football that wasn't owned by idiots, but forgot that. Any club they supported would still be run by scum fans, so there was no escaping it really. But their intentions were fine, but their um their execution was you know they're still Man United. Well, you know with Sal- Salford and um, FC United, I always imagine that's that Spider Man meme. You know where they're pointing at each other. I've been to an FC United game. Ooh, get it was a uh, out, get a, out a friendly against uh, Salzburg, the proper ones. Oh, okay, and the uh, the 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 real ale festival before the game was um, was a joy and made the actual game much more enjoyable was in with the Salzburg fans and didn't see a single fucking hipsters didn't see a single bit of the match because um, we were on the back row behind lots of flags and were just jumping up and down and singing the whole game misunderstanding a song thinking it was about Charles de Gaulle and it was not but yeah we spent 90 minutes Christ. chanting are you just oo- you're, oo- you're oozing hipster nonsense that, you know, I, bet you had, I bet you had avocado toast that morning you pretentious arse bit harsh that I thought <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a really good day out actually yeah yeah. And, anyway Salford FC <laughs> no real ale festivals there probably no I mean Salford FC is just a fucking it's the it's scum players plus a billionaire, isn't it? Yeah. So where's the where's the good news story in that? Real Real Elf Festival on Road, Foster's Twist, was it? Fruit <laughs> Twist or something? Is that is that as exotic as we get? I do wonder with Salford, because their, their um, shareholder is Peter Lim, who owns Valencia, and there's all those rumours about Redrick Zani wanting to buy Valencia. I wonder if Robbie Gotts is just a pawn in his European network game. It 4D says, look, chess, look at that. This is, yeah. this is what could happen. Robbie Gotts loaned to Salford if I get to buy Valencia. Seems fair. Can't see a, a fault in that plan. Steady on Colombo. Um, or it could be that it was, Richie Wellens is the other factor because he had Jordan Stevens at Swindon on loan at the start of the season and then upped sticks and went to scum and has now got Robbie Gotts and John Sheridan sent Jordan Stevens back to us and we sent him to Bradford. But um, yeah, so there's Richie Wellens, Peter Lim, ex-scum as well. Sani. Yeah, let's not talk about these bastards. And Donny Let, scored against us. Let's talk about Rodrigo de Paul. Oh, we don't want to talk about Leeds players anymore. No, he's well, he's a future Leeds player because obviously Rads did that like um, of the tweet of the fan suggesting we should sign Rodrigo de Paul before Newcastle. That happened in the wake of the game, and that like has been removed. It's been unliked now, which makes me wonder if he sobered up. I I have um. <laughs> I have a mental image of Angus Kinnear sort of driving over there, just grabbing the phone out of his hands, 
pressing his thumb against the uh, the ID and then going into Twitter and do, unlike there. Slamming it on the table. <laughs> yeah. And then getting Idiot. back in his car. Stop it. Driving the uh, the 50 yards back to his house. I assume they probably like, live right next door, but long driveways. I want him. I want I want to sign to Paul. Right, I mean, if Rajasani likes it, you want him, you go buy him. Yeah, it's all in his power. It's your money, your speak, club. Speak to the 49ers as well. Get them to pony up. Yeah, they could pony Well, they're not liking any tweets, are they? Don't care whether they like any tweets or not. Just pony up the money. Well, why do they have to pony up the money because Radrizani can't keep his thumbs in his gloves? Well, fair point. Do you want Eric Pulgar as well if we're buying another midfielder? Has Radrizani liked any tweets about him? Not as far as I'm aware. Not signing him then, are we? I don't think so. But do you want him? Could do. The talk seems to be that we'll have him on loan. If we can borrow him. Was it? A, was it the, the term used? Was uh, it was translated into dry loan, wasn't it? Something like that, which is a, without an obligation to we're gonna, buy. We're going to take him dry. Crikey! But um, he's wanted by Sevilla and Real Betis as well. Moscow, apparently. pronounce that, please. <laughs> Sevilla and Betis, very severe. Oh, that's a nice throwback for long-time listeners. Jan Danda. Now, I'm fairly sure when we spoke, was it the back end of last season? about Premier League signings or maybe in the summer when we were looking at players we should buy. It might have been you, Moscow, who said we should buy Jan Danda because he had a great name. No, it was, was it? their it was their defender. Um and we were linked with him in the end and I can't remember his name. Hold on. I'll tell you. Jan Danda seems a bit of an odd one because he couldn't get in their team last year and he's he's only played twelve games this year. So to go from that to a, a Premier League move seems a little bit fast. Particularly if we want someone who can improve us. I wouldn't be entirely confident he's better than what we've got. But equally, if he's cheap, we might just have him anyway. Ben Cabango. That's all I oh, wanted. Yeah. Cabango. Double signing, I think, maybe. Cabango and Yandanda. We could also have uh, Joel Letty-Baudier. we got some good players with good names. And Matt Grimes. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. No Premier League this week, which is probably a good thing because it's bollocks, isn't it? Is that because we're playing in the FA Cup? No. 
The FA Cup is happening, but without us. A little bit like what happened with Man United in, was it 2000 when they fucked off to Brazil? Are we fucking off to Brazil? I mean, we could. We couldn't actually. Could we not? Very strictly against the rules at, at the moment. Uh, is, it not, is it not that we couldn't come back? We'd have to just stay there. Probably not a bad idea. Well, anyway, uh, Premier League, what's wrong with the Premier League is this bit, because it's bollocks. It needs fixing. We're here to fix it. Our promotions helped them towards that goal. We are here to speed the journey up towards it being a viable product, because it is bollocks a lot of the Premier League, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the, like, the live TV coverage, complete and utter shit. And a game that is always shown, always given a prime slot, always talked up weeks in advance. It's given radio phone-ins with Chris Sutton and people from fanzines and the like. Liverpool against Man United, and it is always shit. So why bother with it? Strike the fixture off the off the list. Just call it a draw every season. Don't play it. Just give them a point each, and no point. No, no points each. Actually, no points. No points <laughs> each. Yes, just take a game off them each. I mean, their, their last ten games reads a lot like a George Graham League United season. One one nil nil. One one nil nil. Two one three one. Things got pretty wild in that one. Followed by nil nil. One nil. Two nil. Nil nil. Comprehensive evidence, if ever I saw it, that. Four out of ten games being nil-nil is not acceptable. Certainly not for a product as hyped as much as the Premier League. So what do we do to fix it? How do we, how do we make this go away? I quite like the idea of not giving them any points and just taking the games off them. That seems fair. Um, I'll say draws can't count. If you draw, you get no points in this one. You've got to, Just for these two. Someone's got to win. Yeah, that maybe, seems fair. Maybe the game only starts when it's 3-3. Three, three. You've got to get to 3-3 three, three and no cheating as well. They've got to take it seriously. But only the goals scored after they've each got three count. 90 that's, minutes starts at 3-3. Three, three. That's even if one team is 5-2 ahead, they don't get any points unless the other team scores. Just make it complete chaos. Mind you, the way that VAR tends to operate with these two clubs, there'll be six penalties easily in the first half. So yeah, good idea. And both of them will be annoyed that they're somehow not getting enough decisions from it, despite getting loads from it. They should certainly banish the hype. I think that's one of the most important things to note with this it's the hype that ruins this game as well no it's the players and the teams and the clubs <laughs> usually the managers too our old friend Stevie Nickel, pundit of the year I'm so glad we found Steve Nickel because I don't know what it is everything he says strikes me as being funny and he's, he's weighed in on this the reason I didn't enjoy this as a, as a, as a football fan is because there was no tension in the game it was this, a, a, a Liverpool-Manchester United game at Anfield with no tension in it. It was almost like just watching a, a, a pre-game game where it was, OK, one team's going to go forward and lose it and then the other team's going to go try and go forward. It, there was no excitement or any tension or any of the, the things that you enjoy watching in a football game, which is incredible. Liverpool-Man United, no tension. Wow. Steve Nicholl claims he's a football fan. I don't think he is. I don't think he likes anything. He didn't like it when there was no control, but he also doesn't like it when there's no attention or no excitement. I know how he likes No sustainable. It. Can you picture him creating tension at those after-match parties in the, the 1980s <laughs> when the, the players' wives are suddenly... They're joining us at about 10 o'clock and you see them all coming in and he just there's, starts flicking a lighter. So, like, Stevie, just... Creating a bit of tension. <laughs> yeah, your hens, what, hair looks good though, doesn't it? Click, she, click, click. She got hairspray on there. Stevie, no. But there's, if there's no tension, there's no excitement. <sighs> Nothing says excitement like a woman on fire. 
apart from the obvious football-based joy, 2020 was a fairly hideous experience all round. But if it's taught us one thing, it's that we don't know what is around the corner. So make sure you get your affairs in order with Levi solicitors. Um, a will is an absolute necessity. And you may also want to consider making a lasting power of attorney. That gives a nominated person power to make decisions about your finances and your health and welfare if you are, for example, ill, injured, or become unable to make such decisions yourself. Really hard to have these conversations with loved ones, but the end result means a far greater peace of mind going forward. I mean, if you have joked about our football team finishing you off, then it's not that hard to take the next logical step in the conversation, is it? And uh, turn it a little bit more serious. And having lasting power of attorney in place means your loved ones will avoid going to court to get permission to deal with these things, so it's well worth it. You're never too young to think about the future, uh, so get yourself sorted with Levi Solicitors, and as always, you get a 10% discount on your fees for being a listener to this show. Get in touch at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Heroes and villains now then. This section always becomes easier when leads are a bit shit, so uh, let's go for it. Ken Bates Villainy Award, first of all, who's in your nomination stack? Ben White. Don't do that, Ben. If he wants to play for Leeds, don't do that. I hope he, um, next time he tries to use his complimentary American Express card, he gets declined. That's how annoyed I was with him. Talented prick. But I play for Brighton. Well, this card says, no, sorry. Not for much longer, Ben. You do you don't. have a traveller's check? <laughs> no, I mean, try the card again. Do, We're not going to try the card again. Do traveller's checks still exist? Does American Express still exist? I'd, I'd say yes to that, but I'm... Do the travellers checks? Does Ben White still exist or is he just a concept? Not to me anymore. No. Do travellers checks still exist? <laughs> Anyone, please answer. Uh, I imagine Ken Bates would still have some under his mattress. Get some facts to him, doesn't he? Fine. Who Fax else? me a travellers check, otherwise you'll we'll never see Max Gradle again. Right, who else? Uh, Bielsa, time to get rid. Are you done with him? Yes, this, this experiment has failed. Before but someone burnout. snaps up Tony Pulis, we need to get him in. Could you imagine the backlash if we did sack Marcelo Bielsa and appointed Tony Pulis. I think Leeds United Facebook, some of them would be all right with it because there's some strange views get put around on there. But yes, it, it wouldn't go down well. How about you, Moscow? Would you like to see that? What if we got better? That'd be annoying, wouldn't it? <laughs> it turned out that the, uh, the last two and a half years have been a sham. And well, I would rather we should have been doing that all along. I would rather fail beautifully than win ugly. And Gary. that's the point we're at. Gary Monk's available again as well. Could be uh, unfinished business. Could get the best out of Pablo Hernandez, couldn't he? And we can get, uh, we're short at the back, so we can attract Kyle Bartley. Monk and O'Leary as a joint joint manager, that's what I'm saying. With O'Leary and his defensive coach. And Pulis as director of football. Seems sense. He can sign his son, like he always did. Uh, one bloke who's off the market, Wayne Rooney, is the new Derby County manager, as we rightly predicted some time ago. So we're having this one in our credit column. He was very happy with this. I loved his uh, his quotes upon taking the job where he said that uh, the opportunity to follow Brian Clough, Jim Smith, Frank Lampard and Philip Koku is an honour. <laughs> it's a very very uh, random assortment, isn't you it? Think he had to say Frank Lampard, otherwise he was going to have him on the phone. <laughs> I, I thought you didn't mention me and you take... Oh. All right, Frank. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honour to follow in the footsteps of Derby County legend Frank Lampard. What a bunch of fucking inbred idiots. I know they're not all technically related, but they might as well. I'm sure they'd marry a cousin or something if he had half the chance. He's off to a successful start anyway, wasn't he? You see, they lost 1-0 to Rotherham with a, a goal, it was like four minutes from time, wasn't it? And they are now second bottom in the championship. That's good, isn't it? He's doing well. It's going to work out beautifully because he's done quite well as the uh, caretaker manager and then it's the classic, give him the job, bomb out the league. I mean, you say he's done quite well. They were still... 
23rd, or they might have been 22nd or something before this. They can't have been doing that well. No, they'd won some games with Wayne Rooney in charge, which was different from um, before when they they didn't. So I think it was it was relative. I mean, he said he was proud to follow in the footsteps of Philip Koku, and he is doing just that. <laughs> I know we don't consider them rivals, but isn't it nice, just in, from, a, from a schadenfreude sense, just to laugh at what they're doing? We consider them funny. Yeah. And Wayne Rooney, we've got a bit of, even though we, really, we never really played scum with him in the team, did we? But we had to watch him we do did. well for scum. We did. Well, we, we did. Well, them. I know. I know there was that and one. Richard Naylor <laughs> kicked him up in the air. It was wonderful. Yeah, but we never got time to fully explore a, a hatred for him, did we? Just a James Milner wannabe, isn't he? Look at James Milner. Still, still going playing, strong. Still playing at the top of the Premier League. Look at Wayne Rooney about to get relegated. And slagging us off, weirdly, talking about his his philosophy and he wants his team playing with a, a belief in terms of winning every game, which is good, and attacking but with composure as well. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a team like Leeds, for instance. I want to have a balance. That's Leeds who won the division last year by how many points? Was it 10? Did yes, we win it by the end? Doesn't want us to, to be a lead. And we're, now, and we're now sitting mid-table in the Premier League as opposed to gurgling round the shitty championship plug hole I'm before we plummet down into years. the drain of League One. Is that where we'd rather be? I've saying for two and a half years to put my philosophy on the team. I'm going to make a prediction. He will see out half a year of that contract at best. I was going to say, if it's going to be two and a half years, it's not going to stop in League One, is it? I don't want them to be frightened of the National League. I think they can uh, they can take this division by storm. They don't be scared of making mistakes. As Harrogate passed them on the way up. Brilliant. Good. Right. Um, some other nominations, please. I know we did say to ignore him last week, but this is a safe space, so we're going to talk about Gabby Bonlahor again. Just because... Did you see the player he recommended we should sign? I to? didn't because I, I took our own advice and I don't listen to him or read him. I muted him on Twitter now. Uh, it was on TalkSport was this. He suggested to fill in for Phillips we should sign Jesse Lingard on loan from Scum. A noted deep line midfielder. Correct. Fuck. Is he just making it up? Yes. He he doesn't know where Calvin Phillips plays or where Jesse Lingard plays. He just knows those two names. He just spits, he vomits noise out of the front of his face and gets paid money for it by TalkSport, which was always the grievance all along, to be fair. And his eyes do have a slight look of a man being sick. They've got that slightly pinched shut, too close together look that you sometimes get when you're over a toilet at 4am. This does bring us quite nicely to Richard Key's comments uh, this morning that I'm just trying to find again. Um, he claims that uh, Bielsa is deliberately putting up language barriers between himself and Andrea Rodrizzani. I think he didn't necessarily claim that that was fact. What he did was he said he'd heard tales, mm. which is not establishing it as fact. It's a coward hiding behind a rumour. I heard a tale that Richard no. Keyes no, don't you was well, no, no. having sex with his daughter's friend. I oh, think. that's true, yeah. Well, his wife was ill, I think, as well. Here it is. I'm beginning to wonder... I thought you were going to talk about the other thing, Michael. <laughs> says Richard, if a change isn't needed, Bielsa holds a godlike status with Leeds fans. He can do no wrong in their eyes. But what does the owner make of it all? At the end of the day, his opinion is the only one that matters. I hear tales of confused meetings with the manager, of language barriers erected by Bielsa to hide behind. Yes, Victor Orta, his boss, will never be able to, uh, to, to get over those. Never piss the owner off, says Richard Keith. And this is, this is, it's just teetering towards, because I pissed the owners off at Sky, but I was right to slag off that fucking bitch. Just, um, uh, there'll only ever be one winner 
He says, as Big Ron found out at Aston Villa all those years ago as when a, he constantly undermined Doug Ellis. Absolutely. As a contemporary reference for you. <laughs> for, uh, yes, for Marcelo Bielsa and Andrea Radrizzani, see Ron Atkinson and Doug Ellis. Uh, moving on from that, just down the road, down the A62, which is a tarmac road in West Yorkshire. Carlos Corbran, he's done a naughty this week. Another Richard. Is that the one you're on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. R- Richard Keogh, yes. He's he's arrived at Hud- in Huddersfield, hasn't he? Not just once, but three times, judging by the um, introduction graphic that Huddersfield have uh, has appeared was sewn together out of nightmares. <laughs> three Richard Keos, just all of them staring, sort of in your sort of direction near you. Anyway, looks like it'll be a right old knees up, eh? Hey, there we go. Is is that everybody then? Who's your villain of the week? I mean, we we should nominate the players who were nominated as as heroes last week the people who missed Crawley and we thought they were heroes because they would make us better. People like Dallas and Ayling and Click and Bamford and Meslier, but he didn't play, so he's, he's excluded. And they didn't make us better. We mm. were still bad. So they get retrospectively punished for being not as good as we thought we'd be. You, you've, you've lost before. me. Anyway, just pick somebody. Ben White. No mercy. School of Hard Knocks. I think he needs this just to teach him that he, he can't treat us like this. Thinks he can still all be mates with Calvin Phillips. Not how it works. And you've got to remember now, we've got a big rivalry with Brighton. Oh, that's true, yeah. So we need to live up to this, don't we? Yeah, fair point. Brighton, right. the whole Brighton scum lot. <laughs> Fucking hate them lot. I hate it when you go to their ground and they put like a local beer on in the away end. Make it all nice for you, pricks. I mean, seagulls, worst of all birds, or bar pi- none. Pigeons? Not as aggressive. No, nah, True. I once saw you can a intimidate a pigeon, whereas seagulls just don't give a fuck. Yeah, I once saw a. Re- I mean, it was a fucking massive seagull. We were down in Lyme Regis on the seafront, just sat having a coffee, and I saw a massive seagull, probably the size of a human head. Its body, I was going to say, it had flappy wings as well. Swooped down and it lifted a whole ramekin of clotted cream off the table um, next to us, not ours, and took it off into the sky. A fucking ramekin. <laughs> So we're going to pop it in its oven. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, who's your hero of the week? Some nominations. It's not been a good week again. I mean, did we nominate Kiko? No, we don't. No, okay. Um, Tyler Roberts. He came on and was good. Maybe he's not finished, as everyone thought he was, on his way on loan to the championship and not good enough. Turns out he's easily good enough. He's better than Rodrigo, who spent £29 million on. Send Rodrigo on loan to Rotherham. Fine. Who else? Leeds Cougars. Just so that when these double-hard bastard ex-American footballers are coming looking for the people, slagging them off on the the podcast, it's not me that they'll be. They weren't after. professional. They won't even. They won't be. They weren't. They won't be in great shape. They'll a be, bunch of kids. If it was on that Greyhound Stadium, it'd be a bunch of kids knocking it about on a Sunday morning. Did you say it was the eighties? They have. Um, they had a prayer before the game as well, which was C. Combine words with actions. O. Overcome all obstacles. U. Use your talents. G. Get the job done. A, accept the challenge. R, run the full race. S, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. And I suggest that if they get their hands on you two, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. What did that spell? Well, exactly what they'll be doing. Cougars, obviously. Oh, I wasn't following. I drifted off halfway through. Who are we? Cougars. Who are we? Cougars. Hard, tough, mean football. That's what they chanted in the locker room before games in 1983. And what they will be chanting as they stomp on your heads while I slap them on the back and tell them to get on with it. They're probably in the 60s now. They were a great set of lads and I can't fault their effort or 
their American football club. Leedsgoogers.co.uk. It is a fascinating look into mid-1980s sport and they all look like they had a great time and are dead good with <laughs> chance race. All right, okay. Uh, Steve McLaren needs some uh, some love thrown in his direction. Leeds fan Steve McLaren, who's been doing some of God's work at Derby. At least fan, yeah. If anyone listens to Atletico Mints, they'll know there's like a little sketch on there they do of the English Managers Club where they essentially all go around ripping off clubs. And Steve McLaren, you've got to say, his work at Derby County has been exemplary over the years. He's had two payoffs from them as, as a sacked manager. He's gone back as a technical director and part of that role was that he would help them find a new manager. Who did they go for? And he's done that. He's did, found the man who was what, sort of doing it. Did he cast a wide net? don't think he could be bothered. I think he went, ah, oh, COVID, it's a bit... I don't, really, I don't really want to be travelling. I'm. He's, and he's, he's, not, he's not going to be using Zoom to interview people, is he? He's like, he must be like 60-odd McLaren now. He's, he's knocking on, isn't he, for a man... He, his he's, age, he can't be risking COVID, can he? No, and, and if talking about it, he'll, he'll be sat there going, oh, my microphone won't work, I can't get my camera going. You know, he's, he's of that particular vintage now where you can't quite work things as, as you want, so you just abandon them. I've just realised Steve McLaren will be the reason... Wayne Rooney said Jim Smith because he was Jim Smith's Steve McLaren was Jim Smith's assistant wasn't he mm, yeah. back yes. in the day so that's why Just Wayne Rooney was said mention Jim Smith <laughs> he'll be really pleased he wrote that statement for him didn't he yeah, yeah. I think the, the job search is probably he sent uh, a WhatsApp Jim Smith is dead by the way sent a WhatsApp to Phil Neville he said no I'm going to Miami like Will, Will Smith. Smith yeah <laughs> and that was it I knew it and that was it so well done, well done, Steve. Wayne may as well have it. I hope you can get another payoff soon. Just down the road from there, by the way, Nottingham Forest. Uh, it's finally happened. Do you remember um, when they were hunting us down uh, post COVID? They said mm. they were going to hunt us down and so get Michael Dawson was the uh, who was the name of the cartoon character that used to hunt um, Charlie Brown? No, the rabbit. Oh, Elmer Fudd. Elmer Fudd used to chase. What was the rabbit called? Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny. <laughs> wow, Bugs sake. great. Uh, anyway, yeah, so they, they said they were going to hunt us down and it's taken them... We're not laughing now, are we? No. they've done it. They've done it. It's taken them 24 games, which is over half a season. Uh, they are currently 19th in the championship, but they have finally caught our points total from last year. You'll remember they finished on 70 points and missed out on the playoffs in hilarious fashion on the last day of the season. We got promoted. Uh, we, we won the division by 10 points, got promoted by even more than that because we were brilliant. And um, they have now finally accumulated enough points to have matched our total from last year. Well done. And we, we did mention this on a episode of the Extra Ball, actually, but I don't think we've mentioned it on the main podcast either, that they started last season with trying to get Calvin Phillips on loan from us. And Stuart Dallas permanently. Mm. But, the, I mean, I think this is the real payoff, isn't it? You can sort of see why, because without them, they're fucking shit. <laughs> so congratulations, uh, Nottingham Forest. Are they, are they your hero of the week? I think they should be, shouldn't they? Done it's very a fine well. achievement, yes, to uh, to be that fucking ridiculous. We're going to hunt you down. Oh, we can't wait to come back and overtake Leeds and get promoted into the Premier League. And In now, six months or so, yes. we'll be right there. And we worry about how we're doing sometimes. You know, oh no, we lost to Brighton. Fuck me. Forrest, 19th in the Championship. Derby, Wayne Rooney's in charge and they're going down. Yeah, they've got they've got twenty five points in twenty four games, and we have uh, this year uh, twenty three points in eighteen, and we're in a higher division. So that's us told, isn't it? That's us better <laughs> by a mile. So more better than them. Your heroes of the week, Brian. The Clough's, tricky trees. Brian Clough's Nottingham Forest. Who is their manager now? Is it Chris Hewton? Yes, I don't mind Chris Hewton actually. That's a shame. 
He can. Well, he's the one who's got them over the line, catching us, isn't he? He's gone in there and he's he's turned that ship round, that tree round. He's ro- rolled that log <laughs> as far as it's going to go. He's building a dam like a beaver. I mean, that's the nice thing about being Leeds and being universally hated, even in a week where it's been awful for us. There's always somebody we can hurl abuse at and chuck shade at. We only lost one game. We're not not in the forest. And that wraps up this episode of the Square Ball podcast. Get TSB Plus if you want to get early access to the Match Ball and all these podcasts ad-free. Full digital access to the magazine and a daily email as well. Details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. We'll see you in a bit. Bye-bye. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.